Most creatives are great at their craft, but don't know how to grow their business. But here's the truth. When you don't have a plan to grow your business, you stay stuck in survival mode, stuck at the same level, the same income, and you can never break through the ceiling. You also waste time and money on strategies that promise the world, but simply don't work for you. And worst of all, you lose confidence in your ability and start to believe maybe you're not cut out for running a business. If that sounds like you, if you've taken your business to the level that you can get it to and you are stuck and you need a breakthrough to your next level, then I want to invite you to apply to join me in the Next Level Club. We're about to do another kickoff with a new intake of creative service providers and we're looking for a few different types of people to join us. So if you're at 5K a month already, minimum. If you are a creative service provider, so photographer, designer, consultant, copywriter, marketer, whatever that looks like. And if you are really serious about growing your business, about busting through that ceiling, then you should apply to join the club. All you need to do to get started is head to laurahiggins.com forward slash next dash level. You can fill out the application and if it's a good fit, we'll let you know. Alrighty, let's dive in to today's episode. Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can build your dream business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hello, my friend, and welcome back to My Business Playbook. I am So, so happy to have you here today. We are nearing the end of the year, guys. It is getting close. I hope that you're feeling good. I hope that you're feeling excited. You know, at this time of year, this is when Mariah Carey is allowed. Mariah Carey is 100% allowed. Actually, I think Mariah Carey is allowed all year round, but, you know, that's just me personally. Not her Christmas stuff, obviously. Just her regular, like, we belong together, shake it off, that type of thing. I love a little bit of Mariah. Now, (laughs) I don't know why I'm telling you about my love for Mariah. If you've listened to this for a while to our podcast, you know I love Mariah Carey. You know I love Beyonce. Uh, Beyonce, I love her a little bit more than Mariah, but anyway, it's fine. Um, don't ask me who I like more out of Beyonce and Taylor Swift. I don't know. That That's the honest answer. Anyway, why am I telling you that? Christmas is coming. It's exciting. It's going to be good. The Christmas tree is going up and it is a good, good time. Now, today we're joined by a friend of mine. His name is Jay Wright. Jay is an e-commerce growth expert, and he is a mentor to a community of over 1,000 e-commerce business founders. Honestly, for anyone who starts an e-commerce business, I am always saying, no, you just need to go see Jay. Go see Jay. He'll he'll help you out. He is amazing at what he does. His mission is to give established e-commerce business owners a clear and compelling path to scale and to provide the tools, knowledge, and resources to make that path a reality without being reliant on a third party. Now, this conversation, we we dive into a little bit of like e-com strategy, marketing, Facebook ads, TikTok ads, all of those exciting things. But even if you don't run an e-commerce business, this is still going to be so helpful for you. Jay has built such a successful business. He has a really inspiring business journey. And I know that there's going to be so much gold you're going to take away from this conversation. If you are a business owner who wants to grow, who wants to get more customers, then this conversation is for you. So let's dive in to my chat with the wonderful Jay Wright. 
Well, Jay Wright, my friend, my fellow Newcastle friend, I'm so happy to see you. So happy to have you on the podcast. How the heck are you? Hey, Laura. Good, thanks. Uh, good to see you. Uh, even though you're not in Newcastle anymore, you're still a <laughs> yes. Novocastrian at heart. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we were saying before we hit record that people rarely leave Newcastle. And so there is a, um, every time I go back to Newcastle, which I love going back to Newcastle, people are like, when are you back? Like, what are you doing? You'll be back, yeah. right? And I'm like, yeah. You'll be back. Everyone comes back. Yeah. <laughs> we shall see. We'll never say never, but we shall see. Jay, I'm so happy to have you on the show. It's It's been like a long time coming. I'm really stoked to have you here. For anyone listening who doesn't know who you are and what you do, give us like the 30-second the rundown of everything that you do. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the main thing that I do is run the e-commerce equation, which is a, a business designed to help e-commerce businesses scale. And we empower brands to take uh, marketing and growth in-house, reduce dependency on third parties such as agencies and freelancers. And in doing so, get you know superhuman levels of clarity and confidence in what they need to do to grow their businesses. So at this point, we're the largest you know private vetted community of e-commerce businesses in Australia and New Zealand. And, you know, that takes up the majority of uh, my focus and my time. And that's kind of my mission is helping those brands scale. Um, outside of that, I do have my own e-commerce businesses selling homewares and uh, gift products, which I kind of use to learn myself and spend my own money alongside yeah. the brands that we support. You're a busy, busy guy and you you managed to get a lot of things done. And I, I'm really excited because I, as you know, Jay, I work with a lot of service providers and a lot of creatives. Yeah. And... I am always like when people come to me and they're like, Laura, you don't work with e-com. I'm always like, you need to go talk to Jay. He is the wizard at all things <laughs> e-commerce. So tell us a little bit about, you've mentioned that you've you kind of run some of your own e-com brands and, and I know you've a lot of them would be recognized. Tell us about like your journey to getting to this point where now you're coaching e-com brands to really scale their businesses. What, what was that journey kind of like? Yeah. So I actually didn't start in e-commerce. I started out in finance. So I studied finance at uh, Newcastle Uni and then <laughs> got into stockbroking and ended up in London doing derivatives trading uh, right about the time of the GFC. So it was a terrible time to graduate with a degree in finance. <laughs> yeah. And um, and it was yeah like a cold London winter. And my friend called me and said, hey, I've been getting into this digital marketing stuff. Do you want to come and you know, join me? We can do an agency together. And I, I jumped at the opportunity to get the hell out of London. It was a like pretty big move to kind of leave the degree and that kind of yeah. vision that I'd had for my life and go and, you know, sleep in a spare room in a granny flat in um, in uh, Sydney's Northern Beaches while we set that up. But our first client happened to be Hype DC Shoes. I don't know if you, you know yeah. the shoe brand, the sneaker brand. And um, and as a result, we just got a lot of e-commerce clients because Hype DC were quite recognizable and we became known as kind of the e-commerce agency. Um, uh, after about a year or two, I sold, I, I bought out my business partner. We just had different ideas of what we wanted that business to be. And I just scaled that agency. So my, my, my ramp into e-commerce was really just serendipity. Um, when I had my second kid, I wanted a bit of a lifestyle change. So I sold the agency and I had a bit of a, a, a non-compete. So I started doing my own e-commerce businesses. I couldn't help other people in the service capacity, Yeah. but I did a kid's book called, uh, AB to Jay-Z. A friend wrote it, was did a Kickstarter, and then I took a – I didn't write it, Jess wrote it, but uh, Danny invited oh me to be gosh. the kind of marketing dude, this, 
Yeah. And um, <laughs> I'm actually my mic. I've got a stack of these books which hold my mic up so that I can uh, sound good for you. But <laughs> but um, that was like an $8,000 Kickstarter when I started. And yeah. for the first time I kind of had the steering wheel where I could control it myself. Mm. And we scaled that to a million dollars in December 2017 from an $8,000 Kickstarter six months earlier. So it was did about wow. four and a half million dollars in sales in the first six months. And um, then I did another kid's book business and then I did uh, a tapware business and I just did a few of my own e-commerce stores. And in that process, these two worlds kind of collided, like finance where I had a solid understanding of numbers and modeling. And then Facebook was really ramping up at that point. So yeah. I think what I found going from agency to brand owner was I really identified where people get stuck. And it was, it was in this defensive nature of marketing where people just don't have enough confidence to actually truly meet the potential of their business because they just don't understand Mm -hmm. it enough. And that was really a big insight for me, like running my own brands. And um, that kind of what, what's, what's led me to where I am now at e-commerce equation, which is helping people overcome that by, taking ownership of marketing back themselves and helping them go through that experience that I had um, changing from, you know, an agency to my own brands and understanding how to get those breakthroughs. And I think that's such a powerful shift, right? For, because marketing and and sales are like the, they're the money makers in your business, right? And so if you don't have control over that, or if you kind of abdicate responsibility on that and you go, well, I've got this agency, they're doing it for me and they're telling me it's doing well but you don't understand it, it's like not having clarity on your numbers in your business. It's like, well, you you don't know where you're going and you don't, you're kind of flying blind. And so I, I think that's so true. That's whether you run an e-com business or whether you are a service provider, you need to have clarity on your marketing. I think that ownership piece is so, so important. I agree. It's huge. I always talk about defensive versus offensive marketing. And I think the majority of business owners stay in defensive, whether you're e-commerce or service, um, it's it's still prolific where people spend an amount of money they can afford to lose. It's defensive. They don't actually understand the cause and effect of the dollars that they're deploying into marketing. So they remain in this position where the amount of activity that they're doing to generate demand is predicated by their risk tolerance or what they think they should spend or what they're used to spending and what their comfort levels are. It's not predicated on the cause and effect of that activity. So if you can transition to offensive marketing, where you understand when you deploy a dollar, how many dollars come back, then that gives you so much confidence to continue to scale your business and scale the demand that you're generating for it. Yeah, that makes so, so much sense. And I'd love to kind of walk through, because you've built this incredible program, the e-commerce equation, and I know you've got so many, so like hundreds and hundreds of econ businesses who've gone through it and had incredible results. Talk us through like top level. I know you have a bit of a framework, a bit of a system that you, you walk through. Could you walk us through kind of really top level, what that system looks like or your process for that? Yeah. So we focus on three main subject matter areas. The first is operations. And when I say operations, I don't mean like SOPs and, um, CRMs. I mean, like, how are you operating your business? A lot of people we work with are creatives. They've got a passion for uh, a market, a niche, and they've created a product, brought something magical into the world that uniquely fills a, a demand and they create product to market fit. And they're typically who we work with. And they're operating as creators and product designers. They're not operating as legitimate direct to consumer machines. 
And I think yeah. all of us at our core are sales and marketing organizations that happen to sell our product. And that transformation is massive. So the first thing we do is we install an operational framework to help people understand their unit economics, their cost centers. We benchmark them to the best brands in Australia so that they can see where they sit. And it's a massively clarifying process that they go through in that first couple of weeks. Um, and it just highlights what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are, what the bottlenecks in their business are that they need to work on. Uh, and often the bottleneck is attracting customers. So um, last month, collectively, we spent $18.6 million on Facebook ads. We spend millions on Google ads and TikTok ads. And we basically just show people across all of the best brands in Australia, like these are the, the ways that we are attracting customers that work. We kind of hive mind that. So no, no one brand could possibly be smarter than hundreds of mm. brands spending tens of millions of dollars on ads every month. And yeah. we collectively license out like what's working so that you're not dependent on a third party. We give you that strategy so you can execute it easily. And then the third area is convert. So we help people not just with the obvious stuff like AOV optimization and conversion rate optimization, but how to run a sale, how to demand plan. So you have your best sellers uh, in stock more often and you're not sitting on dead stock. We teach them how to run mm. a promotional rhythm, basically just how to convert people more often um, and for better prices. So yeah, really attract, convert, and, and operate are the three things that we deploy for these brands. And the combination of those three things works in unison. Yeah. And I love that because you could be getting all the customers in the world, but if your website doesn't convert or if you don't have stock, you're not going to make the sales. So I love how all three of those things work together. And it's like the trifecta. I think that's so cool. What do you think is the thing that keeps people stuck or keeps people from scaling, whether it's e-commerce or whether it's just business in general, what do you think is the biggest barrier for scaling? I think it comes down to clarity and, 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 and confidence. So I think that if you can correctly identify where your system is bottlenecked, then you can work on that bottleneck until it's removed and then the system will expand until the next bottleneck but i think a lot of people especially newer people in business they just don't know what the bottleneck is and they've never done it they haven't seen what done looks like they haven't gotten to that next level so mm. a lot of the time they're just taking trial and error steps one step forward one step back and even if they have tried to move something forward often they don't go at it with enough vigor and execution to actually fully remove it. And they think, oh, well, that didn't work. I might try the next thing. So I hear all the time people coming to me saying, well, I've tried Facebook ads and it didn't work. And, you know, it's yeah. like, well, what's your definition of working? And they're like, well, a 10 ROAS. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> what does that give you? And they're like, well, that will give me profit. I'm like, well, were you tracking the profit? Do you know how much profit you made? Like, no. Like, well, maybe those ads you were running were really profitable. But, you know, it's so I think so often it's just a lack of clarity into what they need to work on and actually how yeah. to implement that solution. So um, in, in all in all facets of business, e-commerce and service businesses, I think if people, even if you didn't know the solution, if you knew that that was the constraint, you would figure it out eventually through trial and error. Um, yeah. So for me, I think it's just getting that awareness of what what is holding you back. Mm. And that's where having coaches and having community around you who can kind of mirror things back to you because sometimes we can get the blinkers on and we can kind of, not see the forest for the trees um, and you can kind of be like oh my gosh I don't know what I don't know what's holding me back it, it could be my 
offer. It could be my price. It could be my website. It could be my ads. It could be anything. And then we get overwhelmed and then we want to have a Tim Tam and sit down and watch some Desperate Housewives, you know. So <laughs> that's what happens. 100%. So I, I love 100%. that idea of like unpacking the bottlenecks and then working the problem and working the problem until it's solved, not yeah. just getting shiny object syndrome, right? A hundred percent. Like working, And I think a lot of people fall short of working the problem until it's solved. And mm. um, yeah, that, that's the big piece here is sometimes it takes a degree of violence to move through a problem yeah. in terms of your execution. Sometimes you need to just go, you know, pretty hard at moving through that place that you're in to get to the next level. And yeah. it's hard. Like it's the work that we all kind of put off, you know, it's the, yeah. it's the, it's the extra hours you don't seem to have that sometimes it takes to get through those bottlenecks, which can be hard. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, that like, sometimes when we, we start our business, we want more freedom, we want more income, we want this lifestyle and, and like this, we kind of have this vision of how the business will look. And a lot of the Instagram vibes is like, I worked four hours this week and I had a lovely time and here I am on vacation and I made this much money. And it's kind of, I'm like, yeah, you might be doing that now, but what, what were the like unseen hours that got you to the point of being successful? And you, Jay, you've built this incredible business and I know that you have put in so many, so many unseen hours. What would you say to someone who was like looking around at at Instagram, looking at all of the things and kind of going, I must be doing something wrong because I don't have that lifestyle. I don't have that income. I don't have, I'm not where I want to be. What would you say to someone who feels like that right now? I think social media is very polarizing. And I think mm. the, the reason that the algorithms work is because they are polarizing. So you either get people that are working a four hour week on the beach in Thailand, or you get people waking up at 4am and doing ice baths and working 18 hour days. <laughs> yes. And that's sort of like, that's sort of like the reality that social media paints yeah. and the real world is somewhere in between. Right. And I, I find that there's just seasons and sometimes I'll be in a season of chill. Right. And I'll just be like, things are going pretty good. I'm working on the stuff I need to work on and things are moving forward and I'll not be pushing. But sometimes I'll come up against a problem in the business where I will consciously go like into a mode of, um, mm. extreme execution. And I'll even say to my wife, like, I've got three weeks that I need to do this and I'll just get it done. Right. So we, we recently yeah. went from, um, one salesperson to having a sales department of nine people in <laughs> three months. And that was, that was an extreme period. That was the bottleneck in our business was the ability to welcome new brands into our community so we can help them. Yeah. And that, that was a massive period. It was two months where I worked extremely hard, but then after that, it's kind of mellows out. So I don't think it is every single day for your whole life, 4am ice baths followed by 18 hours of work or sitting on the beach. And most of the time, I think, you know, there's times when it needs to be both. Mm. And I think giving yourself permission, if you're in a period where it just doesn't feel like you can push is totally fine too. Like it's your business. You can chill and coast um, mm. and you get to make your business what you want. So if you're the, the results that you have in your business are a direct result of, you know, your actions and, and, and what you want. So if you yeah. want to chill and not make tons of money, that's fine. If you want to have, a billion dollar business, you probably can't do that in four hours a week. So um, yeah, yeah. I think it's what you want to make it. And, and there's, there's no right or wrong answer and it's not what social media says it is. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think that that, I love how you articulated that thing around seasons. Like we had this moment recently where my husband Nath was building 
we have a house in Newcastle who's building a granny flat on the back of the house um, and a granny flat for anyone yep. who's not an Aussie um, is kind of like, I don't know, how would you, what would you describe a granny flat as, Jay, for, I, I don't know if oh, people would call it like. like Sec- secondary suites or something in the US, but <laughs> that it's like a little way house better. on the back. That sounds yeah. way better. Yeah. I was going to say pool house, but we don't have a pool. Like that's what I was thinking. Pool house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a pool house. That's what it is. Um, anyway, so he was building the granny flat. He was driving up to Newcastle a couple of times a week, but also staying. So he was there five or six days a week, staying up in Newcastle, kind of crazy. And then I was, it just so happened that a bunch of our team were away at the same time. And so I was like, manning the ship. I was like, okay, I have to (laughs) look after all the things. And it was a stressful, it was quite stressful. And then afterwards I was like, man, I'm tired. Like, why am I so tired? And, and then I kind of sat down with Nathan. I was like, we need to coordinate a little bit better on our, on our things that we do, because (laughs) we can't both be in the crazy busy season at the same time. If, if we are, that's okay, but we've got to articulate it ahead of time. So if we had have, if I had have gone, do you know what? This season requires, like you said, extreme execution. That's fine. We can do it if yep. we know there's a, it's a season and there's an end point. But there was a point where I was like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> this is never going to end. I think it's a super important point. Like there needs, to be an, there needs to be an end point. Like, you need, like when I go into those seasons, it's not like, if you're like that the whole time, something's wrong. And you, you know, like yeah. you shouldn't be operating like that the whole time. But if you're like, Hey, I need a real big effort to move this big project forward. And when I'm done, it's going to look like this and the business will be at a new point and then go back to mm. normality. I think, I think like sometimes that's, that's required. But if you're, yeah, I, 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 I kind of detest hustle culture because I think it's like bad for mental health to think that mm. you need to work yourself to the bone nonstop. Like I think people, I don't like hustle culture, but there is a reality to, business, which is sometimes you need to execute more than other people. Um, yeah. But I don't think that should be your default state. And I love your idea of like, yeah, there's a defined period. There's a defined outcome that I'm going to get from this effort. And then the business should be at a new level and it'll help me keep moving forward. Yeah. And I think, I think when you think about in that example of like property, we then got the property valued and the property was valued at significantly more than it was two months prior when there was no granny flat on there. So it's, I think in business, we can yeah. view it in the same way where we go, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to add on this, this extra piece that's going to add so much value. There's going to be an initial outlay of I've got to buy the materials. I've got to like work the team. I've got to spend all this time building this thing. But in three months time, I'm going to get it val- like our property valued and it's going to be heaps more. So I think there's like, if we view business yeah. and our, our growth in that way of there's an initial outlay and there's an initial investment of time, money, resources of some kind, but I'm confident, like you're saying, there's the clarity and confidence. I'm confident that there's going to be a much greater return that is going to like, not just a return for a little bit, but a return for a long time that we can actually see in our businesses as well. Yeah. A whole new level. Now I want to get practical around um, product and ads, because it feels like in your world and probably in, in business in general, there's an element of the product or the offer is one piece, but then there's also the brand. There's also the business owner, the mm-hmm. way they show up. What do you think sets certain brands apart from others? Is it is it solely the product? Is it the branding? Is it the marketing? Is it the the business owner? Is it a mixture of all of those things? What do you think is the combo? 
Yeah, I mean, if if you had to if you had to order them, I, I would definitely put the product first. Like what mm. what you sell is a large part of the brand as well. So if, if mm. I could only have one thing, it'd be a, a, like a remarkable product, and ev- everything else becomes far easier when you have a remarkable product. Yeah. And I think if you have a brand without a good product, eventually that'll catch up with the brand. And mm. I don't think that that's an enduring kind of value proposition. I think you need, you know, the product to at least be able to not detriment the brand, right? So yeah. I always think like the, pro- the the product in my mind is former, like the, the, the number one thing. So bring something yeah. into the world that people want that adds value to the world. Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of my brand. It's just, I just try to help people. Our number one value is good vibes only. We're just we're like, we're on a mission to help people have success in their businesses and see the joy and all the benefits that percolates to them and their families and their communities. Mm. And that's almost become our brand, you know, and it's, 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 but it is the product. So yeah, I think to get to that point in terms of our brand, there's literally been a decade of sacrificing short-term gain for small brand points. And it's so hard Mm. to see in the short term, like the first year, second year, to see nothing. But after a decade of working with people and constantly putting their needs first, constantly not taking the short term win, like that kind of compounds over time. And I think like that's, yeah, brand is built in drops and lost in buckets, you know. So I think you've really got to be conscious of what you're doing and and your product and your intention behind the product, I think is is critical to that. Yeah. So it's like the brand is really linked to the reputation, right? And the way you make people feel and the the thing that people think about. It's like, what do they say? Your brand is, is what they say about you when you're not in the room. And it's kind of like, yeah, the product yeah. is what people see, but the brand is what people feel. And it's what they, they can talk about after. That, that's exactly it. Like if you could put that brand on an unrelated service or product, people should know what it would kind of feel like, you know, even yeah. though it's a completely different vertical and if they if they do that's kind of what what your brand is right um yeah so if if you were if you were to get into like i don't know like a skincare brand or something people would probably have a good idea of like what the laura higgins brand for skincare would be like it'd be like bright and fun and approachable and bubbly you know because that's your brand and i think yeah that's kind of what carries across not just your current offer but if you were to do anything else what would people say about it as well and i think that's kind of a good measure of it yeah. Seth Godin said this thing recently where he was like, he was talking about Brandon. He was like, if Nike started a hotel, you would have a pretty good vibe of what that hotel would look like, would feel like you would have this sense of the experience. But he was like, if Hilton yes. started a shoe brand, nobody knows what that shoe is going to look uh-huh. like because Hilton doesn't have a brand. And it was totally. like, oh my gosh, that's, that's so-, so interesting. Yeah. And so it's also we're trying to build brands that that are sticky and that people go, "Oh yeah, cool. I could I could see how that would look and how it would feel and what the experience would be." Yeah. I want a Nike hotel. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. Now, I have a couple more practical questions for you. I want to talk Facebook ads real quick. What trends are you seeing that are working right now? And I'm also curious about TikTok ads because I feel like a lot of people listening a kind of maybe dabbling in TikTok, but don't really understand how how powerful that can be. So what trends are you seeing right now for advertising? So let's talk Facebook first. Um, Meta just came out with their earnings report. So Meta is Facebook and Instagram for those that are uh, still used to saying Facebook. I still say Facebook. (laughs) It's weird saying Meta. But 
Meta came out with their earnings report this week and they increased profit 164%, which is wild, right? They're, they're, wow. The amount of money that Facebook is making right now is skyrocketing. And there's a reason for that. Over the last year, Facebook has turned billions of dollars worth of investment that they were going to put into um, VR and um, those weird headsets and uh, fantasy <laughs> lands on the internet. Yeah. And they've redirected all of those servers, all of that investment into AI. And they've directed that AI in two ways. The first is with Reels. So the algorithm that they're deploying to serve uh, better content based on uh, intent, not the social graph of who you've liked, has been wild. So the actual watch time on Instagram has gone up massively, meaning there's a lot more inventory to sell. But the mm. second and probably the most exciting thing to me is that they've deployed these new AI campaigns. So specifically, they've rolled out a whole suite of Advantage Plus tools. And the one that I love is Advantage Plus Shopping. But the performance of these campaigns is almost better than I before iOS 14. So you've seen floods of advertisers return back to Meta. And I think that we're, we will look back on this period as a golden age in advertising when Meta just released their AI functionality and it's literally getting better and and better. So mm. like I honestly haven't seen performance like this across the board in, in, in a long time. And the crazy yeah. thing is these campaigns are super easy. So it's really empowering people to do it themselves because if you were to go back 10 years ago, it was, it was hard you know, to set up like 130 ad sets and do ABO testing and spend hours in there. But AI has really taken on a lot of the laborious tasks of targeting and optimization. And there's not even, there's not even a lot of settings to do anymore. So I wow. think just about anyone can jump in and do it. So for me, it's just been the biggest trend is Facebook's shift from some weird virtual reality metaverse to getting back to basics and deploying all their capital to AI and directing that at ads has just been insane. So I, I think in five years, we'll look back at the Advantage Plus year or two as a golden era in in ads. So I'm I'm pretty excited, as you can tell, about uh, yes, your face what's lit up. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Advantage Plus, and so I want to ask the questions that I think people will be asking when we go into Facebook ads, when we go into Ads Manager. Is there a really clear section that says Advantage Plus, and we kind of click a button there? Yeah, they've kind of branded all of their AI stuff Advantage Plus. So there's Advantage Plus audiences and there's Advantage Plus creative and there's Advantage Plus placements. So they've branded everything kind of Advantage Plus. For e-commerce businesses, there's there's different objectives in Facebook if you've ever created a campaign. So under the sales objective, it'll prompt you and say, do you want to do a manual traditional campaign or do you want to do an Advantage Plus campaign? So it should be be pretty quick. Uh, On my Instagram, I have like a 90-second video where I step through exactly which buttons to press to set this stuff up if someone wants to go. Oh, I love it. Diving through okay. my reels and find it. <laughs> but, Perfect. We're yeah. gonna. I'll find that video and I'll link it in the show notes. That's amazing. What about TikTok? Honestly, like when iOS 14 came out, TikTok was on the rise and a lot of money was shifting from Meta to TikTok. Yeah. And I think that after Advantage Plus, we are generally seeing better performance out of Meta. I think TikTok is falling into a category similar to Pinterest in my mind where certain verticals and certain products go exceptionally well on Pinterest, like Mm -hmm. wedding, uh, anything to do with renovations and interior design, because that's the people that hang out there. And in my mind, TikTok is really suiting a product that is um, high spontaneity, 
uh, you know, problem solving that's easily demonstrated in an entertaining video. So probably yeah. the exact ads that you're seeing, right? Yeah. I keep seeing ads for shoes that raise dudes height by three inches. I feel personally <laughs> attacked, but that's okay. But it's like a really clear, it's a really clear like problem solution ad that's kind of like high spontaneity. Just, oh, that's a great idea. Look at it. And then away you go, right? So what we're seeing like less performance is if you're an aesthetic brand and you're trying to sell more of a brand than a solution, um, mm. but there's still a place for it, right? So it's, it's, it's incredibly cheap from a CPM perspective. They've also released a new suite of AI um, campaigns that are quite easy to deploy and, yeah. um, and have been going well. But the, the constraint with TikTok is creative. Like it's, it's thirsty for creative. Like you need to be I think it'd probably be like three to four X the requirements of meta ads from a creative perspective. They burn out faster and you need to test more to find the one that's actually going to stick. So if you've got TikTok creative in place already and you're already producing, you know, TikTok in mass, it kind of makes sense to just deploy some amplification of those through the ads platform. Um, If you're in a category that's like high problem solving, high spontaneity, then it might be a great platform to test. Outside of that, like Meta's, Meta's probably still the pick in my mind. I love that. Meta's back. How good. <laughs> That's the best. Um, Jay, I, I'm, I'm conscious of your time, but I want to ask one final question. When it comes to scaling an e-commerce brand, when it comes to scaling a business in general, what would be your final piece of wisdom for someone who is like, I want to grow my business. I want to scale what would be your biggest piece of advice for them? Scaling is not a sliding doors moment. It's not like you wake up one day and you decide that you are going to triple your business. It's, it's a lot of small actions. It's constant gentle mm-hmm. pressure on the mechanism that's leading to growth. So I think that if you want to scale your business, you, you need to understand the mechanism that will scale. So If you're a B2B business, you kind of need to understand the activities that are going to lead to you growing, which might Mm. be to get a client, I need to do two sales calls. To get two sales calls, I need 10 leads. To get 10 leads, I need to spend $100. So if you don't change the inputs, the outputs aren't going to change. And I think that most people stay in that defensive kind of mindset where they're trying to get ever-increasing amounts of efficiency out of the $100 that they're spending instead of thinking, well, I need to change the volume of input to change the volume of output. And creating that cause and effect is key. So mm. what I would say is you need to understand that value chain that takes place. And if you want to change the output, you need to change the input. If you want to change the quantity of the output, you need to under- you need to change the quantity of the input, which is often activity, ad spend, whatever it is that you're doing to generate that mm. output, right? And yeah. it sounds obvious, but people don't create that cause and effect and they don't yeah. as a result they don't have confidence to increase the volume of what they're doing to get the to get the outcome so yeah i think that'd be the number one thing it's just it's an inputs and outputs equation it's yeah. a system understanding the system you know identifying the bottlenecks in the system and then growing the system is, is what scale is so yeah yeah and it's it's not like a double overnight it's a well let's increase 10 percent, 20 percent, 30 percent, and in yeah. a month or two you won't even recognize where you are Oh, it's so good. I love how you talk about business like a machine. Like it makes it feel less emotional as well. It makes it feel a bit more like, okay, there is a solution and it's it's a system and it's a machine and I can 
I can figure it out. I think that makes it feel more like, okay, cool. I can do this. A hundred percent is just a mechanism. You know, it's a mechanism that creates value and there's an exchange for that value. And I think that that, that is fundamentally what business is. Yeah. Ah, I love it. Now, Jay, can you tell people, firstly, where can people follow you and like see your content? Cause you share so much value on your Instagram. Where can people follow you? Yeah. Instagram is probably where I'm most active. Uh, so Jay Wright official. And um, if you want to learn about the e-commerce equation, it's ecommerceequation.com.au. Yeah. Awesome. And what's the next step for someone listening who is like, I think I need to go talk to Jay about my e-com business. What's, what's the next step? Yeah. Jump on ecommerceequation.com.au and I um, fill out the application, see where you're at, see if we can help and um, set up a time to have a bit of a strategy session and we can go from there. Love it. Team, thank you for joining me. Jay, thank you so much for hanging out and sharing so much wisdom. I have learned so much from you and I'm super inspired by your business. So thanks for joining us. It's such a pleasure to hang out with you. Appreciate it. Uh, Anytime. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. I hope that you found that conversation super, super helpful for you and for your business. Be sure to give Jay a follow. Check out his Instagram. We've linked his Instagram. We've also linked the e-commerce equation website into our show notes. So be sure to check those things out. And as always, if you love this episode and if you love the My Business Playbook podcast, please, if you could take 20 seconds to leave us a quick review on Apple, that would mean the world to me. It just means that we can get this podcast out to more and more people and help more creatives to make more money, get more clients and have more fun in business, which is the goal. All right, my friend, have a beautiful week. I hope that you put the Christmas tree up. Start listening to that Mariah Carey, that Michael Bublé. Get it all out there. It's going to be amazing. I will talk to you very, very soon. In the meantime, go get them.